Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. again well we're recording on a tuesday evening uh in the middle of march madness the sweet 16 is coming up and i'm of course joined by one of my co-hosts nabate isles is in the house what's up how are you sir how you doing brother jamal good 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 you were in you were in hartford you said yes thursday Mm -hmm. uh my first time covering an ncaa tournament game or even attending uh so that that was amazing amazing experience to go up to hartford at the xl center and it was four intriguing games, except you had a good, for you had a except, good region. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like uh, except for the last one, the last one with uh, Purdue. Purdue handled Old Dominion, you know. Yeah, but yeah. but uh, I think I fell asleep. Right, right, right. Pretty much. But but no, the first three games. I mean, Florida State, Vermont was very, and they were a lot of Vermont fans. It was basically a home game, really, for Vermont because Hartford, uh, the University of Hartford, is part of the AEC, the America East Conference. And and basically, even though the the Huskies play in Connecticut, still it's near New England where Vermont is. So so there are a lot of Vermont fans there. So that was a very intriguing game. And Vermont gave uh, Florida State a yeah. lot of lot of a uh, uh, lot of issues. Played, for them, sure. played them tougher than uh, your boy Murray State. The, uh, right. And speaking <laughs> of boy John Morant, yeah. yeah. And 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 Murray State, the buzz when Murray State when they defeated uh, Marquette, the buzz there was incredible. John Morant, a star was born from the standpoint of the national audience. And finally, you, and you got to see him. a triple double. Yes, a triple double, first time since Draymond Green in 2012. And Draymond did it twice in the NCAA oh, tournament. He did it in 2011 that. as well. So. Uh, so that was historic to see. Take that, all you Draymond Green haters, <laughs> right? <laughs> and then, and then also Villanova St. Mary's. That was like a rough, tough, grinded out type of game, uh, and that was it, it. Was good to see because St. Mary's was they were scrappy, you know, for sure. Right. Um, so it was good games, and we were sitting. You know, I was sitting right up front and everything, and got to got to see everything up close. The the mascots, cheerleaders, uh, everyone running around, like all the players right mm-hmm. down the tunnel, running in the tunnels. Great. So it was a wonderful atmosphere. Good stuff. I mean, you can have a better seat for a Morant triple double. That's pretty good. Ooh, yeah. yeah. And and what I liked about Morant um, was what I really you could see up close because I was courtside. You can see there were players in the first half that were just standing around. Mm-hmm. Like they, it was more like, and, and, and Ja was urging them to move without the ball so he can find them. And then you notice, like, by motivating, motivating them to do that, that helped them be able to, to be effective. And, that's, and that helped Ja Moran be able to give out dimes like it was nothing. Yeah. So, true uh, leader, true yeah, point guard. Exactly, true point guard. And you could tell that, um, that, that he's he's one of the guys. He's not. It's not John Moran or State. He's really one of the guys because in the locker room you can see that dynamic, right? And everything. No so. question. I mean, he seems like a great kid. Yes, indeed. You know? Yes, uh, indeed. Talks to everybody. You know, gives everybody time after, like you said, after the game, gives everybody time. Mm-hmm. Um, all he doesn't he doesn't even uh, answer a question without mentioning his teammates. That's right. That's right. You know? So I mean, he's, he's he's unselfish on and off the court. No question about it. All right. So. Uh, we got Len Elmore coming up. Is going to join us and, and and talk some more March Madness. Of course, mm-hmm. we're going to go around quickly, uh, region by region, and uh, discuss our quick give our quick thoughts on the region. Who's who's going to move forward? 
You want to yes. do that? Yes, indeed. Let's do it. All right, let's go. Let's start in the East. Uh, we got Duke, Virginia Tech, LSU, Michigan State. What you got? Ooh, Duke, I'm very concerned mm-hmm. about them because uh, they, they have no perimeter shooting. It's not consistent enough at all. And, and, and Go Wire was not being guarded at all. Trey Jones was not being guarded at all. Um, and and, and use, um, uh, University of Central Florida, they were loading the paint. But also you had Taco Falls, like seven feet six. Right. You're there. It's hard you know. to duplicate that. Right. But, but they found a way to load the paint and, and dare the other guys other than Cam Reddish in the corner. Mm-hmm. Uh, R.J. Barrett, they're always going to guard him because he can dribble drive anytime and everything. But um, I'm very concerned against Virginia Tech because Virginia Tech – with they they have a lot of talent, um, and and they have consistent. I, I would say they have like Swiss Army knives. You know, guys that don't do anything great but do things very well. They have Justin Robinson. They have uh, Nikhil um, Alexander Walker, who's seen as a, a lottery pick. Uh, they have uh, Kevin Blackshear as well. Um, so those guys, I mean, they they play the game well, and I think Buzz Williams will be able to come up with a game plan. To neutralize, I mean, Zion's still going to be Zion, but still, the other they Duke has going to have to be effective from the perimeter. They've always been effective from the perimeter, so I see Duke winning, but it's going to be very close. Remember, also to ACC, right. <laughs> you know, they know each other, teams know each other, so that's it's going to be tough for Duke, but they should get by. And then Michigan State, LSU, uh, LSU barely got by Maryland. Um, and Nas Reed continues to play well, but they don't have Will Wade um, and everything still. But I, I think that distraction is kind of behind them. But Michigan State just has, you know, they have their defense and their intensity is just going. They they play forty minutes of intense basketball and concentrated basketball. Uh, even though they don't have the talent of LSU, I say they still though overall have. Um, you know they have Tomizo and they have they have that concentration, discipline, and focus, and they know their roles. So Michigan State will get by, and Duke. I gotta predict Duke to still beat Michigan State. <laughs> you know, as I as I did before. You know, I had Duke in the Final Four. I have to keep it that way. Yeah, I'm, I'm right. I'm right there with you. I got Duke beating Virginia Tech. I'm a little less worried about Virginia Tech than than you are or other people I've heard too, who are pretty you know who who are high on Virginia Tech. I like Virginia Tech. I just think there is a difference. There's a different level there. Uh, between Virginia Tech and some of the top teams, which I saw during the regular season. Uh, you're right. They're familiar with each other. Uh, so that goes both ways to me. That means I think Duke will be more comfortable playing Virginia Tech as well. Uh, and then I like – I'm with you. I like Michigan State over LSU. I do think – I agree LSU has more talent. Um, but I think this is the game where the where no Will Wade could hurt them. You're going up against Tom Izzo, a Hall, Hall of Fame coach. Uh, Will Wade is, has been a good – is a very – Good coach, as we as he showed during the during the uh, regular season, mm-hmm. uh, getting him this far. So I think that hurts him finally here. Even though I agree with you that uh, in terms of the whole distraction and the FBI thing, I don't think that's really bothering the players. But X's and O's and in-game X's and O's, I think it might come back to haunt them. And then I got Duke uh, moving on, uh, beating Michigan State in a very good game. I mm-hmm. think that that game is going to be a one-two possession game. I yeah, think, you know? and a low-scoring game. Right, too. And physical, and they'll be physical with Zion. That's right, that's right. So that's going to be, that'll be a real test. At their peril, their own peril. (laughs) (laughs) What do you got in in the West? We got Gonzaga, Florida State, Texas Tech, Michigan. Woo, Texas Tech bounced back beautifully. Once again, it shows that teams that struggle going into the tournament, it doesn't matter, it's a clean slate. 
and this is a prime example with Texas Tech, they're arguably playing the best basketball in all of college basketball right now. So based on learning from that loss against uh, West Virginia in, in the Big 12 uh, Conference Tournament, Michigan, uh, Michigan is just solid all the way around, very balanced. But I think Texas Tech, though, they just – Jarrett Culver – you know, what can you say? You know, like like they have bucket getters as well as great defenders, too. Guys that play two ways. I think Texas Tech actually handles Michigan. And then you have Florida State, Gonzaga. Florida State, they have, the, you know, they have that length um, and everything. They have, they have the athleticism. But Gonzaga has that, too. And they have also, they have guys that are fundamentally sound overall. So I think Gonzaga will be Florida State. And then uh, Texas Tech, Gonzaga, I got to stay with Gonzaga. They were my final four pick. Uh, I think, I think uh, you know, inside, outside, they have athleticism, Brandon Clark, and they have, um, uh, of course, on uh, uh, Hachimura, too, Rhea Hachimura, too. Those, those two guys are NBA caliber players and just well-balanced lineup. And, of course, Experience, so I see Gonzaga beating Texas Tech in a very that could be, that will be the best elite game in the tournament, like overall, because you say Duke and Michigan will be close, but this one is going to have it's going to have offensive moments as well as timely defensive plays that will happen at the end. Yeah, I, hard to argue with that. I got I got I mean these are two great games, these uh, Sweet mm-hmm. Sixteen games. Uh, I want to have Gonzaga squeak out a victory against Florida State. I uh, just think Gonzaga's too good. I put Gonzaga on that on that Duke uh, Virginia level, really. Mm-hmm. You know, in terms of all season long being a top four team. Um, so I think I think they have enough. I mean, they match up pretty well with Florida State. They have a great front line as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they're not going to be bothered as much yep. um, as like Amari State obviously was by by Florida State. So I think they they squeak by there. Um, and then that Texas Tech Michigan game is a, just a serious defensive matchup. Um, and I just give a slight edge to Michigan. Oh, uh, really? Yeah, I okay. Slight ed- I love Culver. I really love. I think you know. I think, I think he could be the fifth pick in the draft, fourth, fifth pick in the draft, maybe. But I give a slight edge to Michigan. I think they have a, a few more weapons offensively, just a couple, and defensively they're they're about equal to me. Uh, two of the top Ooh. defensive teams in the country. Oh, I think so, TT is. Yeah, I mean TT's great, but yeah. Michigan has been <laughs> has been right there defensively. Mm-hmm. Has you know Beeline all of a sudden is now you know one of the top defensive coaches. Well, he has a. You know, he has a great assistant helping him there. Mm-hmm. Um, but so I'm going to give a slight edge, you know, one, two possession game to Michigan. And then I'm going to take Gonzaga uh, to beat Michigan and, and, and reach the final four to play Duke. All right. And quickly to the south, Virginia, Oregon, Purdue, Tennessee. Ooh, Oregon has impressed me. They, they're playing their basketball at the right time. And they have length, they have versatility, they can – they can tra- be in transition or they can do half court. And they've been playing beautiful basketball overall. And I, I see them beating Virginia, actually. Mm. Like, I had Virginia go into the Elite Eight, but I see or- Oregon is a matchup problem for Virginia. And and also they can score at will when, when they need to. I mean, Virginia is top defense in the country, no question. But I just think Oregon, they can defend as well with their length. And uh, I think they upset Virginia. And then Tennessee, Purdue, I have Tennessee, of course, as I mentioned, I have them winning it all. I have them winning the entire national championship. So Grant Williams and, and Admiral Schofield, those guys, I mean, Tennessee and the experience that they have. And they're just too deep for Purdue. I mean, Carson Edwards, is he's the top scorer 
in um in in the NCAA tournament. He's been incredible, like a uh, little guy, and just like just knows how to get his shot up and everything. But I think uh, he's not going to be enough uh, for Purdue. So I I think Tennessee beats them, and then Tennessee, Oregon, Tennessee's balance and Tennessee's experience will be too much for Oregon, uh, the precocious Oregon Ducks, <laughs> and then um and Tennessee will move on to the Final Four. All right, I'm gonna go Virginia over Oregon. I hear you. I think I I, I agree. Oregon um, can give them can give them a game. I'm just not buying Oregon. I just can't do it. Um, I know that they got hot at the end of the year. I know the Pac-12 was was pretty, was very shaky this year. They turned it on towards the end of the season. They win the Pac-10 the Pac-12 tournament. Mm-hmm. They beat uh, a Wisconsin team that I was a little shaky on anyway. Um, so, but. You know, I, I just feel like Virginia will outclass them in this in this Sweet 16 game. I, I would look at Virginia. You know, I think the spread I saw was about seven and a half, eight. I agree with that. Uh, I think it's going to be. I think Virginia will take care of business there. On, on the bottom, I agree with you completely about Tennessee being too balanced for Purdue. Um, you have Tennessee winning the whole thing. I have Tennessee in the championship game. Um, so we both like Tennessee, obviously. And both like them in the final. Yeah, we both like you them. Have, uh, yeah, Duke. We, we mm-hmm. both have them in the final. Uh, so, I, you know, I think Tennessee uh, beats Purdue, maybe plays a complete game uh, for once in the tournament. You know, <laughs> so far they've played like one half and let the other team come back uh, both games. So hopefully Tennessee can play a complete game. And then, like I said, I have Tennessee – uh, beating Virginia because of that experience and because they have multiple guys, uh, you know, tough. They you know they play tough. They play good defense, you know, on their own. Um, I think they can handle that that defense that Virginia is going to throw at them, and they have more weapons than Virginia. So I think that they'll they'll sneak by Virginia and get to the uh, Final Four. And the f- last but not least, the Midwest, which many of us thought was the toughest uh, region to begin with, and it's you know we have the one, two, three, and five s- seeds. Uh, still available. So you got North Carolina, Auburn, and Houston, Kentucky. Ooh, and um, I made the my pick because this is Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde team in Auburn. But when they play at their top, when they showed against Kansas, and I knew I that was an easy pick for me, and I, and I pick Auburn to go to the Final Four. Bryce Brown is continuing to play great basketball. The great guard play over overall. Him and Jared Harper. Um, they and they have and they have athletes up front too. The guys that know their role and their balanced scoring attack too, as well, averaging nearly eighty points a game. I just think um, I think they will find a way to to beat North Carolina. I think I think their their the guard play is going to be a difference. And Kobe White is a great defender, but I think Bryce Brown's just too fast for him, you know. And 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 I think that's going to be uh, excuse me, Jared Harper is just too too fast for him. And Brown uh, like is moves as beautifully without the ball as anyone in the country. So it's going to be interesting. I really see. Um, Auburn winning a very close game, winning it down the stretch, and winning it with possibly a buzzer beater, actually. It's going to be that close. So I see Auburn winning, and I have to keep them as my final four pick, so I have to maintain that. <laughs> so um not and, a bad pick. Yeah, and then Houston and, and Kentucky. Kentucky, you know, Kentucky has that balance and everything, and they have, you know, P.J. Washington is questionable, right? He's questionable to... At best. Yeah, at best, you know, unfortunately. But Keldon Johnson... Uh, is someone that's looking to to build his NBA uh, stock for sure, um, and and everything. So I I see Kentucky 
playing well and getting by Houston. Houston, they can they their pace is incredible. They run up and down the floor, and they've been playing very good basketball overall and shooting the lights out. So, but I think Kentucky will find a way to defend. I think Kentucky just gets by Houston, and then Auburn, Kentucky, SEC matchup right there. I see Auburn winning. I think Auburn, they're going to take advantage with Kentucky not having their their full lineup there. And I think, and also Auburn knows them too well. And also Auburn is, uh, you know, they were the better team in the beginning of the season. When you think about it too, they they had and they had that confidence. I think the guards are going to make a big difference. So Auburn will make the Final Four over Kentucky. All right, and for I'm going to take North Carolina over Auburn, but I, I, you know, I think this is going to be a crazy game. I think. Um, it's going to be a game in the '90s, uh, fast-paced. The guard, both both teams' guards, mm-hmm. will put it up. Um, Auburn's guards scare me in, in this matchup a little bit, but like you said, Kobe White is is going to show no fear. Uh, I could see him dropping 25 uh, in this matchup. I think uh, North Carolina is going to sneak by Auburn in this one. Um, I just I'm going to give the coaching edge to North Carolina and Roy Williams uh, with time to prepare. I love Bruce Pearl, but Got to go with Roy in this one. So I got North Carolina moving on. Uh, on the bottom, I got, uh, I'm, you know, Kentucky-Houston. I love Houston. love what Kelvin Sampson is doing. Um, yeah. I think this is going to be a good game. I just think Kentucky's defense is going to be too much. They have the bodies. They have defense. Uh, Calipari, uh, whatever you want to say about him, he can coach, okay? And um, he's going to have his, his kids ready to play, and they're going to put forth a full, you know, 100% effort. And I think it's going to be too much for Houston. I think defensively they're going to be able to to shut Houston down and uh, keep them in the you know high 60s, 70s maybe. So I think Kentucky moves on, and then uh, Kentucky, North Carolina. I originally I originally had Kentucky in the Final Four, and I, I'm going to stick with it. Uh, but you know, no no PJ Washington is a big difference. Yeah. But I just feel like this Kentucky team uh, has has shown that they can grind out victories and they can. And they can do it without uh, uh, PJ Washington, and they have people to, to uh, you know, to make up for his absence, uh, like Reed Travis, who's who's shown up a little bit uh, more in the tournament than he was in the regular season. So uh, I think Kentucky scratches out a victory versus North Carolina because they they'll you know they beat them on a neutral court earlier in the year. Um, they match up well with them. Uh, I I don't really like Carolina's front line, and I think I think that'll come back to haunt them. And I think Cal will get it. Will 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 this team into the Final Four this year? And you know, and wow! And it's funny, Sampson and Calipari playing against each other. Two of the most controversial coaches, True. other than Bruce Pearl, too. <laughs> There's so many controversial. <laughs> oh, coaches and, and in the same region, in the same region, <laughs> like Roy Williams is a choir boy. Yeah, you know, controver- <laughs> controversial coach in NCAA is like redundant. Right, and, and, and I remember the academic scandal in North Carolina <laughs> yeah. too. So Roy Williams wasn't directly, you know, he's not yeah. linked who, to it. Who, but who's not controversial? Yeah, right. Let me look for a coach that's not controversial. Well, we should cover that. I would love to like ask each of them. Yeah. How does it feel? You know, the each of you guys playing each other? so much controversy. Like, no, what that's are you not. talking about? <laughs> no, they'll they'll revoke my credential. <laughs> no question. So that, that that's our quick uh, recap. Of what we think will happen. We'll be right back with Len Elmore to talk more about March Madness. We will be back. Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download and thirty day free trial at www.audibletrial.com backslash Bill Roden on sports. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Again, that's www.audibletrial.com. 
com backslash Bill Roden on sports. Check it out. We have now on the line a gentleman um, that that is definitely one of the uh, most insightful uh, analysts in college basketball. He's someone that I enjoy watching. Uh, he's, he was at ESPN for years. Now he's with uh, with uh, Turner Sports. He did um, all the games in San Jose, uh, where he was an analyst with Steve Smith and uh, Spiro Ditas. And this gentleman is also a former NBA player as well. Went to Powell Memorial, too, uh, in New York, uh, the legendary Powell Memorial, where uh, Lou Alcindor went to as well. So a native New Yorker and uh, also an attorney as well. A pleasure to have Mr. Len Elmore on the show. How are you, sir? I'm doing well. Thanks. Uh, just one correction. I'm on Turner Sports with CBS Sports as, you know, they're uh, – partnering with the NCAA tournament, mm-hmm. but I guess I am more CBS sports. Oh, okay, okay, yes. yes and, also, and also a friend of the program, Len, Len has been on a couple times before, uh, and we've two great, yep. two great podcasts that people need to go back and check out for sure. So, Mr. Elmore, have um, so much went on, you know, with this tournament and everything, so much going on, and we had an interesting 12 and 13 seed game that you – were calling uh, between uh, the Oregon Ducks and the uh, UC Irvine Anteaters. Uh, now, I have a question for you about Oregon. We were talking earlier about how I think Oregon can possibly defeat Virginia Tech with the, excuse me, Virginia with their length and uh, also their athleticism and they're just playing great basketball at the right time. Do you think Oregon could be a surprise team to possibly make the Final Four? Um, yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, simply because, again, you know, it's all about point guard play. Mm-hmm. And uh, Peyton Pritchard's playing as well as any point guard in the field. And then you combine that with uh, the defensive end, their pressure. And then you have Kenny Wooten, who's one of the most outstanding shot blockers in the nation. You know, you put that combination together, their pressure defense, a point guard that finds people, and they get a little lucky. You know, this is a team that can not only beat Virginia, but could make it in the Final Four. What about uh, the bottom half of that bracket? You're going to have uh, Purdue, Tennessee. Uh, Purdue, you know, just destroyed Villanova, you know, somewhat surprisingly in terms of how easily they did it. And then Tennessee, who looked great in the first half against Iowa, and then Iowa comes all the way back, takes them to overtime. Um, so some people are starting to doubt Tennessee, even though they had a great regular season. What do you think on that bottom half between uh, Tennessee and Purdue? Yeah, I mean, I, I like the matchups. Again, the point guards, um, you know, obviously Jordan Bone, who's a terrific uh, ball handler, speed personified. And, um, you know, he's, they've got some some seniors, some upperclassmen who can get the job done and, and Williams and Admiral Schofield. And that's something Purdue doesn't have. Carson Edwards doesn't have an awful lot of help. Hmm. I mean, he's got some guys who can put the ball in the basket, but I think when you match up those guys, um, particularly in the front line, when you match them up, I think Purdue is a decided underdog, even though they're a three seed and Tennessee's a two. If, if, you had to make, if you had to pick, who do you have coming out of that south region to the final four? <laughs> um, if I have to pick, I still have to go with Virginia. Uh-huh. Uh, I think, again, defensively, um, I, I think that they don't have a peer. And if they can find a way to get some offense going early and not fall behind too far where they have to rely on, on shot makers, which they don't have, you know, they're more of a pattern team. Um, I, I think that 
if they can do that, they can beat uh, either one of uh, Tennessee or Purdue, you know, and provided they get past Oregon. But, you know, right now, I still would say Virginia, the number one seed, should get out of there. Uh, so, uh, Mr. Elmore, I wanted to uh, go down to the Midwest region as the Midwest winner will face the South winner. And we have, I think, two, I would say two of the most intriguing games, I would just say, in a region in the tournament, I think. North Carolina, Auburn, and Houston, Kentucky. Uh, now, Kentucky has, you know, P.J. Washington has been out. They've been, uh, they've, you know, they, they struggled a little bit with Wofford. Uh, and everything, especially not hitting perimeter shots as much um, as they usually do. And also Houston has been hitting perimeter shots under Kelvin Sampson. I mean, they've they've been lights out. Uh, So what's your take on Kentucky and Houston? Could Houston be able to to pose? I don't see it as an upset because Houston's played top 10 basketball throughout the year, but can Houston uh, surprise people and make the Elite Eight? Uh, Yeah, I mean, look, when you get to this this level – and, um, you know, you get up against teams that are on the same level. You've always got a chance to win. I mean, you wouldn't have gotten there if you didn't have a chance. But, you know, I see that, uh, you know, rebounding and defensive play, that's what's going to tell the tale. And Kentucky is a much better defensive team than you would think. Um, you know, they've got some guys who can flat out guard you. Uh, I think that um, uh, the difficulty – that Houston's going to have is guarding a guy like Reed Travis uh, particularly. And, you know, they have some other guys that can step up and play. Keldon Johnson's another one. Um, but Houston may be on a mission. You know, Corey Davis Jr. is a terrific scorer. They run, and I think their pace is the thing that's going to help them avoid the size of, uh, of Kentucky if they can maintain that pace. Uh, I expect Tucky, Kentucky to try to step in, slow them down a little bit uh, with their defense. So, I, you know, right now I'm looking at the fact that, you know, Kentucky is young um, and maybe they're not going to be able to, um, you know, maintain the tempo and control the tempo as you would expect them to. If Houston gets to play the game in the 80s, that's going to be their game. And the pace, speaking of pace with Auburn and North Carolina, Ooh, that that will have pace, that game. And Auburn, we saw the end of the second half against New Mexico State, them almost having a meltdown. But then they come out against Kansas, and they showed that they, they've been a Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde team throughout the season. They were 2-6 and six in one stretch in February. In the beginning of the season, they were a top-10 team. So which... Which Auburn will we see against North Carolina, or just North, or does North Carolina just have too many horses overall? Well, North Carolina is deep. There is absolutely no question about it, and they've got any number of guys that they can go to to essentially look for points, and they like to run up and down the floor, which is what Auburn needs to do. Auburn's situation has to be that they've got to shoot the ball well. I mean, that's what they're all about. If they're knocking down shots, they're going to be hard to deal with. Um, you know, Bryce Brown, uh, 25, 9 of 13 uh, in, that, in that game, um, the last game. But Carolina, you know, I don't know if it's Cameron Johnson, if it's uh, White, if it's Luke May. They've just got so many guys that you can go after. Uh, and, you know, you can go to if you're Carolina. I, I just think Carolina's depth is the thing that's going to tell a tale right now. So I give them uh, definitely a... Uh, a, a slight advantage, but an advantage nevertheless. Mm-hmm. You, Lynn, you mentioned before 
uh, earlier that uh, you know once once teams get to this point, uh, you know any team can win from here on out, especially this year when you consider uh, it's been you know pretty much chalk. You got all the number one seeds, the two seeds, uh, you know I think the three and four seeds for the most part got there. Uh, what's what's your take on yeah. that? You, you've had a lot of people say, uh, you know, the tournament hasn't been as exciting because there were no upsets. Um, but in a way, it makes these Sweet 16 matchups even better. What do you think? What's your take on that? Hey, Jamal, I agree with you. It, uh, you know, I the people who say, you know, it's no fun because there are no upsets, you know, are usually casual fans. And right. It's just not into watching the game and watching the nuance and, and the talent that we're accustomed to. They're looking for the final outcome and the ability to say that, you know, David slew Goliath. But in the end, if you're looking for basketball and solid basketball, any one of these eight teams uh, will definitely get you excited. Um, actually, any one of the 16 teams right now that we're talking about. Uh, you got tremendous defense with Texas Tech. Uh, outstanding athleticism with a Florida State. Um, you know, you look at Gonzaga, you look at Virginia, the team effort that you'll see among them um, is tremendous. And then you got Duke that kind of embodies all of those things. So if you're really a fan of basketball and forget about, you know, the, the politics or, you know, the, the total emotion of the game, you know, where, you know, you're looking for upsets and lower seeds winning, that happens on the first weekend. After that, the cream rises to the top. And, you know, teams last year like Loyola Chicago, let's not forget that they were just a solid team right. that people overlooked. And right now we have solid teams in the field right now, and many of them excel at certain aspects of the game, and one or two of them combine all of those aspects. So, uh, Mr. Elmore, which, um, which player – do you think has most improved their draft stock with their performance in this tournament? Like a player that may have been someone, yeah, like a player not lottery, because a lot of these players think of that too, you know? <laughs> like this is a, this is the March Madness is like the spotlight is on them, you know? So which player uh, do you think has improved their draft stock the most? Um, you know, it's, it's really hard to say. Uh, I, I mean, I'm not sure exactly where a lot of these guys have stood uh, with regard to the draft and everything. But, you know, the bottom line is I think that the young man from Florida State. Yeah, Fiondu. 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 Mm -hmm. He he demonstrated that he can step outside. um, He can go inside. He comes off the bench with a great deal of energy. I think that's the guy that people have overlooked. But, um, you know, he comes off the bench playing center and he becomes a, a, a matchup nightmare for a lot of teams. And, you know, in his last games, uh, he, is, he has demonstrated not only during the NCAA tournament, uh, but even during the AC, ACC tournament, you know, he's demonstrated a great deal of skill. And I think a lot of people are going to be looking for him to do a lot of things. I mean, against Murray State, he was probably the difference that allowed Florida State to you know, kind of uh, create some distance between them. Uh, speaking of Florida State and Kevin, Kevin Gale, uh, they, they have a big matchup with uh, Gonzaga and another supposed uh, lottery pick in Hachimura. Um, how do you see that one going? Obviously, Florida State has been, was here last year. They beat uh, Gonzaga last year, I think, in the, in the Sweet 16 also and went on to the Elite Eight, lost in the Elite Eight. 
what do you think about the rematch here in the West, Gonzaga, Florida State? And that's one of those games that I, I spoke about where you can see, uh, you know, some tremendous athleticism uh, and, you know, smart basketball for both sides. Um, you know, it's probably going to be more of a defensive battle than we think, uh, even though both teams have the capability of scoring a lot. They've got tremendous athletes. But, um, you know, Leonard Hamilton, his guys now, they have size, uh, mobility, guys. It's going to be about who knocks down the shots. Um, Gonzaga would like to play a fast pace because they've got guys who can uh, who can put it in the basket. But defensively, you know, I'd like to see the, the athletes from Florida State against the athletes from Gonzaga. And the, the kid in the middle for Gonzaga, Clark, uh, probably one of the best shot blockers in the nation right now. Right. He'll be definitely a rim protector. And it's going to make it hard for Florida State to get easy shots. And on the other side, um, you know, Florida State with their pressure and their length, um, you know, deflections and things to get out and run. You know, we're going to see, uh, like I said, a bunch of athletes who are well coached uh, find a way to get it done. But whoever knocks down the shots, particularly from beyond the arc, you know, I think they're the ones that have, have an edge. And, you know, the kid Tilly is playing now for Gonzaga, so it makes them that much more lethal from the perimeter. So so who do you have? Uh, i put you on the spot. Uh, second, the second to last time I put you on the spot. Who you got coming out the West? Uh, you got Michigan, Texas Tech, and you know two two great teams basically on the bottom half of there. So I mean, this is a stacked West right here. I could see any one of these four teams so coming out. So we're talking about we talking about all four of these teams because I think Texas Tech will probably with their defense. They got one of the best defenses in the nation. I think it's going to be Texas Tech against Gonzaga, and I think Gonzaga edges it out. Um, you know, I didn't fill out a bracket this year, so you guys have put me on the spot. But, you know, this is the first time I really thought about matchups. That's what, that's <laughs> what, we're, that's what we're here for. We're trying to put you on the spot. <laughs> and, 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 and Mr. Elmore, such a prime example. Oh, we're speaking with Len Elmore, a great analyst, college basketball analyst for Turner Sports, CBS Sports, and also former NBA center as well, and Maryland alum, and... Real quickly, uh, uh, Mr. Moore, they Maryland was looking like the superior team in the last ten minutes of that game. I mean, you could tell that Maryland was gonna was gonna squeak it out. It's just, what what was your take on that game? And L- and speaking of LSU defeating them in the East, uh, do you think LSU could even be more galvanized by that type of victory over Maryland in such a competitive game? I, yeah, I mean, first of all, Maryland did com- acquit themselves well. Uh, you know, they had their chances, and unfortunately, you know, they didn't get a great game from the point guard, uh, Anthony Cowan Jr., and that hurt them a bit. But in the end, I mean, LSU was a better team. They executed better down the stretch. You know, you thought that, uh, you know, the, the jump shot by uh, by Smith was going to be the, the dagger, but uh, LSU found a way to score just about at the buzzer. Mm-hmm. And, again, that's what it comes down to, execution. Um, you know, I'm not so sure. I think Michigan State uh, Michigan State may be on a headlong collision course with Duke because I think that Virginia Tech, even though they beat Duke the last time they played, and, yes, Zion Williamson did not play, but neither did Justin Robinson for Virginia Tech, their mm-hmm. outstanding point guard. Um, I just think that maybe Michigan State has probably more physical play better inside play, and, um, you know, they're the ones that are going to wind up meeting Duke out of, out of uh, that particular region in the finals. 
of the of that region. So Duke doesn't make the Final Four in your t- in your opinion? Uh, no, I said that Michigan State's gonna meet. Duke. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I got the pressure. I got the pressure on Duke, um, and they should win the whole thing, right? Because mm-hmm. they're a little more complete than um, than Virginia Tech, but more importantly, they got Zion Williamson and. Mm-hmm. The guy's the most dominant player in college basketball. If he stays out of foul trouble and he can play 20, 25 minutes, you know, I don't see any of the teams in the field beating them. Now, you know, I'm not saying it's not possible because uh, uh, UCF, um, you know, Central Florida was University of Central Florida. They were a block out away of beating Duke. Everybody talks about the tip miss by Aubrey Dawkins, but nobody talks about the fact that they didn't block out during the free throw. If you get down and you push that guy out of the way, you don't get pushed under the basket and you don't allow the rebound and the putback, and that would have been the game. Uh, so, you know, fundamental soundness is what um, what UCF lacked at the most critical moment. Mm-hmm. Let me ask you, obviously you mentioned Zion. You mentioned you have Duke winning the whole thing primarily because of Zion. I mean, you've you've obviously seen a lot of basketball. Where, where, you know, what do you where do you place him in t- historically at this level at his age? Um, you know, what do you see for him in the future? <laughs> you know, I know it's a it's a tough question, but you know, I mean, f- f- from someone who's seen so, as much basketball as you, you know, what do you think of him? Look, I mean, you put it in context. Uh, considering the players around him in the nation at this point in time. Um, you know, he's got tools that are off the charts. I mean, not only the size and strength, but, you know, he understands how to play. He's got a high basketball IQ. He uh, knows how to pick his spots to dominate, runs the floor extremely well. I mean, there's nothing you can say about him negatively, uh, except maybe he gambles a little too much on defense. But even then, he finds some success. But as I said, you place it in context. Um, had he played 20 years ago, 25 years ago, he probably would have been a really good player, mm. um, maybe not a great player. I think that you know it all depends on, on when you're coming up. And, mm. and right now, the matchups uh, across college basketball are certainly every single one of them are in Zion Williams's favor. So obviously, you have to make him, um, you know, for his freshman year, uh, one of the greatest freshmen that's ever played the game of college basketball. Now, on the next level. Uh, it remains to be seen. Certainly, he's going to get his opportunities. Some people think he's going to be better in the pros because that game is more wide open. Um, but it's also more of a jump shot game. Will teams play with him? Will his teammates play with him? Or will they be relegated to, you know, taking threes and he'll be trying to rebound and, and do some things that he's not necessarily called on to do on a consistent basis here in college? So you just don't know. Mm. And from a physical standpoint, there are some guys who are strong enough to keep him off the glass, some guys who are strong enough to contain him. But on an 82-game basis, um, are they going to do it And with uh, regularity? Uh, that remains to be seen. But right now, you can't deny his dominance. Yes, indeed. And, and one more question for you on a, on a serious note. Uh, Mr. Elmore, uh, there was the big academic scandal that happened two weeks ago um, with a lot of uh, affluent people from business and entertainment paying uh, their their children's way to be accepted into universities that didn't have the academic standing nor the athletic standing. <laughs> uh, so what is your take on that 
Yeah, I mean, look, it, it just shows, um, you know, the, the lack of morality uh, that we have and the duplicity that we have when it comes to principle. Um, you know, many of those folks who paid for their children were probably supporters of, uh, you know, they were limousine liberal supporters of uh, affirmative action and, and some of the other things out there, recognizing, though, that, you know, they were getting their kids in through side doors and through back doors with a lot of money. Right. Um, you know, that's, that's the sad part about it, and that hurts the, the concepts that we're talking about um, with regard to, you know, diversity and inclusion. Uh, but by the same token, you know, I, I still believe that it comes down to the focus on education way back in preschool, uh, elementary, middle school. I, I think, you know, our kids in many communities are capable of, of competing on a level playing field, given that level playing field. Um, and, and, you know, I think people will be more vigilant now, now that we've seen, you know, what has gone on. They'll be more vigilant, and maybe that playing field can be leveled, and maybe we can start talking more about, you know, looking at academics and, and recognizing that it's not necessarily uh, about test scores uh, always. There's a combination of many skills that need to be factored in uh, that are going to ultimately be uh, signs and, 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 and predictors of success. And if that is the case, overcoming, you know, hardship, overcoming lack of opportunity and being able to compete should demonstrate that there are a lot of kids that deserve to be in those in those seats in, in college classes as opposed to people who can just simply buy them. But be that as it may, I think another uh, sign is, you know, this focus on, you know, and I don't want to go off onto a tangent because I'm sure that's enough for another show, but, you know, the focus is so much more on paying people instead of making sure that, you know, they get the education opportunities that they need. And I'm starting to get really tired of the, the narrative that, you know, these kids are receiving nothing um, except, uh, you know, while they're playing college basketball and the DMCA and everybody is, is getting rich. Uh, yeah, the institutions are getting rich uh, to a great extent, but that money goes right back to helping students, not only uh, student-athletes, but other students as well. I don't think anybody's lying in their pockets per se, but... The flip side of it is um, you can't say that a guy like Zion Williamson, and we're only talking about 1% or even less of the guys who really, quote, carry college basketball. You can't say Zion Williamson got nothing. Right. If Zion Williamson had gone straight from high school to the NBA, it remains to be seen how successful he might have been. Certainly right. he could probably well be very successful. But the fact that he went to college and has got the ability to build his brand, every single ESPN commercial for college basketball had to include Zion Williamson. Um, I guarantee you right now, and you know, I'm not going to cast aspersions, but if he doesn't have a verbal agreement for a, a triple-digit million-dollar contract <laughs> right. with one of the shoe companies, uh, that's pretty much coming. And the only way that came was through his visibility in college basketball. Now, I'm hoping it gives him a jump start and regardless of how rich he gets, he's going to go towards an education. But nevertheless, please don't tell me that these young people are getting nothing. Because if, if nothing else, they're able to build brands, able to be scouted better, and able to be focused upon to improve their chances on the next level. Yeah, there's no question. I mean, Zion, there's no question he, he, he gained uh, from being at Duke. Because if he comes out 
as a as a high school player that he wouldn't be the number one pick. He wasn't even they had they had R.J. Barrett rated ahead of him. R.J. Barrett was the number one. Yeah. Uh, he, you know, he was first team All America in all the the preseason uh, rankings, and Zion was nowhere to be found. So he definitely uh, boosted his stock, no question. Uh, playing at Duke every day. I wanted. I just wanted to go back to uh, the scandals, or we we talked about the admission scandal, and of course we have the, you know, the LSU situation with Will Wade, uh, the FBI stuff, yep. and and we and and the NCAA's reaction to that was was very tough. Obviously, they they formed a whole commission. I was wondering if you were surprised at all that the NCAA didn't didn't get involved in this admission scandal. Well, I mean, it's not over yet. I think that one of the big reasons the NCAA didn't get deeply involved initially in the um, the, the uh, sneaker scandals, if you will, the shoe company scandals, is because they were told by the feds to, to hold off until the feds completed their investigation and you know got their um, got their evidence all in order, and then they allowed the NCAA to step in, and that's why you know they're now probing the Will Wades of the world. They'll be probing some others as well. Right. Um, I, I just think, again, and now with this admission scandal, you know, the same thing is probably going to occur. You read about uh, the, the man at uh, IMG Academy who, you know, purportedly took, um, you know, the uh, standardized test for, you know, some of these uh, rich people's kids to get them in. And if you're at IMG Academy, which is sports-focused, I mean, circumstantially, you got to believe that he might have done the same thing for student-athletes to get them into certain schools as well. But, again, as soon as the, the feds complete their, their investigation, I'm pretty sure the NCAA will step in, and they will benefit from the federal investigation because they don't have – the NCAA doesn't have subpoena power. They can't compel testimony. They can't wiretap witnesses, they, uh, uh, wiretap uh, – uh, uh, suspects, et cetera, et cetera. But with that information in front of them after the, the federalities of essentially uh, established cases, you know, that gives them a leg up on their investigations. And you know, I guarantee you some more heads are going to roll. Talk talk more before you go about your um, your teaching at uh, Columbia, being a um, teaching at the, the master's program. Uh, I'm sure, I'm sure you have a lot of insightful things to share with them. Being an attorney, being a professional basketball player, being uh, an analyst as well, doing so many different things. So, talk about how um, the students are really embracing what what you have to offer and 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 their potential. Well, I mean, I, look, it's as many of us grow more. How should I say, more venerable. You know, we accumulate an awful lot of institutional knowledge and experience. And, you know, for me, this was kind of a, a natural play uh, to help maybe develop the leadership for the next level through, you know, the experiences I, I've had, good and bad, um, through the viewpoints that, you know, I've developed, whether they can agree with them or whether they can disagree and, and be able to debate and then develop skills. I mean, here at Columbia University, we have a terrific sports management program, um, you know, it's diverse in not only in its faculty and teaching, but also in the, the, the subject matter that, that's being taught. And in the sports management program, as we said, we've, we've explored a lot of areas, both in marketing and leadership and management. And um, uh, I developed a course, Athlete Activism and Social Justice, uh, looking mm. at the history of uh, athletes' involvement in social justice from post-Civil War until today, which, you know, as an example, hopefully can 
can uh, provide young people, these uh, managers and leaders in sports of tomorrow, with the historical context uh, upon which they can make uh, future decisions and, and the future decisions that, that work equitably for you know those who not only are involved in the game but for those who view the game and love the games. So you know I'm hopeful that I can play a small role in helping develop the leaders of tomorrow. I mean, what else am I going to do with the stuff that I learned? <laughs> I that's, that's great stuff. What about what about Paying your what about your son? I know he was coach. He's, is he still coaching in college? I know he was at he did a stint at Manhattan and then he moved on from there. Yeah, Stephen. Unfortunately, his head coach uh, Sidney Johnson was let go at Fairfield, so mm. my oldest son is out of a job. But, you know, he's a Princeton graduate. He's got a sports management degree from the Citadel. He's, mm. he's been looking. Yeah. He's been courted by some groups. He may not want to stay in basketball. It all depends on the opportunity. He's been a director of basketball operations now for four or five years. If he can land an assistant job, uh, this is a young man that knows the game really well. Um, you know, he scouts uh, the opponents extremely well. But if not, you know, he's got uh, an education to fall yeah. on skills in marketing and branding. Um, and you know, hopefully it won't be too long before he can find some place to land. Uh, you know, obviously it's tough when you've been let go. And I always told him it's not you that's been fired. It's your head coach. You just happen to be in the administration. So, mm -hmm. uh, but, but I think Stephen will be fine. And, and I think that, he acquits himself very well in interviews and is very personable, and I think a lot of people in the industry respect him. So, you know, it's just a matter of time before he's going to find his place. And like you said, Princeton grad, he'll be okay. No question about that. Um, all yeah, right. Let's hope so. <laughs> I, hope, I hope so. I hope that if that doesn't get you somewhere, I don't know what to do anymore. But um, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, thank, thanks a lot, Len, for joining us. Thank really you. appreciate it. Uh, we're going to keep track of your final four picks and call you out on every one you get wrong, so don't, don't worry about that. <laughs> and, then, yeah, right. and then give you the credit <laughs> when, you, when you get them all right. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, I'm just playing. Yeah, but uh, that, that's, that's probably not going to happen. But, but I, I, that's why I don't fill out a bracket anymore because – I've seen people with no knowledge of the game oh, in office pools. That's the and worst. That's enough, man. That's enough. That's, yes. I hear you. I hear you. Especially, <laughs> especially this year with all chalk. But thanks a lot, right. Len, and uh, hopefully you join us again soon. Thank you, sir, in honor. Thank you. All right, Jamal Navate, thank you. My all right. pleasure. Take care. Give Bill my regard. Will do. Absolutely. All right. You can probably guess who joined, who's joining us now. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know by the laugh. What's up, Aaron? Hello. Hi, guys. Hello. How are you, Miss Matthewson? <laughs> Great. How are you? Great. Thank you. It's, it's warming up, so I'm very happy about that. Yes. Mm -hmm. I know. I'm like, spring. Tennis clap. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so what's on your mind today? So I have been, I don't know if you guys have seen the breaking news, but Jesse Smollett is the ongoing saga that is Mr. Smollett. Um he, the, the charges were dropped against him. The uh, prosecutors mm -hmm. in Cook County in Chicago said that because of community service and he, that his, he agreed to forfeit his bond to the city of Chicago, that they are dropping the charges. And I feel like it's, but it's still very, um, there's been no determination of like what actually happened. He made, uh, Jesse still maintains his innocence. He mm -hmm. says he never lied. Um, you know, he's his mother's son that fine. Um, but the superintendent of police um, is says he stands by the indictment, and he and Mayor Rahm Emanuel uh, kind of condemned the yeah. the judgment. Was, which it was is a crazy press conference, which I watched. 
Uh, <laughs> you know, because we, what? you know, I'm, I'm watching uh, MSNBC and he pops on there. And I was like, why is Rahm Emanuel right. part of this? I'm like, is that serious? Right. It's crazy. And then they, and, and they were not, they were not saying, having any part of uh, Smollett being innocent. I mean. It, it was weird. It is weird. It is one of those things, like, so as we, uh, we, I got to talk to Jamal and Napata earlier today, like, what does it mean to be innocent? And do does dropping charges mean you're innocent? And legally, yes. Yeah. But I think there's this has been such a crazy situation. It's like, so what happened? Like, who did what? Mm-hmm. Um, I definitely, you know, I stand by he's innocent till proven guilty. Mm-hmm. But I, you know, there's so many weird turns and twists in this story. Well, when you say he's innocent, proven guilty, he's innocent of what they charged him with was making up a false charge. Right. right. That 16 people, felony so, counts. So basically that... They're dropping that. They're dropping that, right? So it's not even talk. We're not even talking about the 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 you know the actual offense against him, right? Right. Okay. Uh, so, so that's it's not like even two separate things, right? Okay. Mm-hmm. The, the offense against him is a, is something, and they're not going after that either, right. right? So it's almost like he's dropping that, and they're dropping this. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And it's and 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 it was something I mentioned earlier that if if their case against him was so strong, they should have put the foot. On the uh, on on the neck and, and just keep going with it if if they believed in the case so there were some holes in it yeah. as well um, and a situation where I've always said about uh, Justice Smollett uh, is just you know just just have to have everything play out you know and and everyone had their takes you know uh, f- for supporting him and their takes for not supporting him you mm-hmm. know but at the end of the day it just shows that. Um, you know, we can move on with this, but at the same time, though, uh, you have to, it's just, if, if you believe in something, then go for it. And they should have maybe went for it if, it, if this was concrete <laughs> at I mean, the end the, of the day. Yeah, the, their, their stance on it was uh, that it was a deal, that they, ba- they basically came to a deal right. um, to, they wouldn't, they wouldn't uh, go on with charge, you know, they wouldn't proceed with the charges against him if he took community service and uh, forfeited his bond. Remember, he was he was. Uh, what does that mean? I mean, he paid ten th- a ten thousand dollar bond to get out of jail. Got it. He's supposed to get that back. Oh, he forfeited. Right. It. So okay. he's saying here. He, it so in in essence, it became a fine. You know. So basically, they're saying you you accept this ten thousand dollar fine. We keep your bond, which he's entitled to have back. Right. Oh. That's why I was like, if 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 you're completely innocent, and you're and not if you're completely innocent. Let me let me take that back. But if you're if you're trying to get a total victory right. from the court, mm-hmm. he's entitled to that bond. Right. So the fact that he gave them that bond, that's kind of he's you know he's giving them something. So really, it was a deal between the two parties. It was a deal between the prosecution saying, "Hey, we're going to drop all these charges and not mess with you anymore, but you have to do community service and you have to give us this ten thousand dollar bond." And and don't get me wrong, that's a great deal right. for him. Right. You know, they supposedly had 14 felony, felony yeah. charges, <laughs> charges right. which, which I said at the time, I thought that they would d- drop that down and maybe have two, you know, <laughs> something like that. It was 16. Yeah, that's what I mean. So so whatever, his, his lawyer did a great job. Yeah. Like, he got a great deal, but it still was a deal. And she's, she's saying <clears throat> it's not a deal. She's saying it was voluntary. Who? Who's her, she? Uh, her... Um, Smollett's attorney, Patricia Holmes. Or his attorney. So it's kind of like this, like... Well, so why, so why, did, why did he forfeit his bond? Voluntarily. Yeah, I don't... <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> giving him yeah. $10,000 voluntarily? Well, and, he got, and he lost his job? Here's my theory. I think that, oh, that his no, own no, attorney... Oh, no, they his, just took... I think they just took him off the last two episodes, but I don't... Did Empire... 
No, they didn't. So find, I yeah. saw. Did you, think, did you I expect saw, to see him? Wait, I saw an. Uh, well, they. A, it's a lawsuit waiting to happen. What if if they take him off because he well, he moved on? Yeah, he was suspended. They said. Yeah, he's suspended. So so no, they can't fire and him. The now. latest could, the latest wait. trailer is like. But they have to have just cause. They have to something. Yeah, and Empire, it's a lawsuit. <laughs> producers from Empire said they were happy that the charges were dismissed, but the latest trailer for the show is like, guess which which line is going six feet under, and I'm like. Let me guess. No, oh. <laughs> you know, I mean, who knows, right? But yeah, that. Uh, let me tell you, I bet Patricia Holmes will be looking. She's right. keeping a keen eye on that situation. <laughs> here's what. Here's what the 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 well, we got the the lawyer side. His lawyer side. Yeah. This is what um, the the attorney the uh, prosecution was saying. Okay. It was the um, it was the assistant state's attorney uh, said that we did not exonerate him. Okay, he's saying that the police, the police, uh, he said the charges against Smollett were dropped in return for his agreement to do community service and for forfeiting his bond to the city of Chicago. We said that here's the thing, quote, here's the thing. We work to prioritize violent crime and the drivers of violent crime. Public safety is our number one priority. Okay, I don't see Jussie Smollett as a threat to public safety. We stand behind the investigation. We stand behind the decision to charge him originally. And we stand behind the charges in the case. The mere fact that it was disposed of in an alternative man- manner does not mean that there were any problems or infirmities in the case or the evidence. Now, that's their statement. Uh-huh. I'm, I'm in the box. I don't really believe. I, I think there were some infirmities because it's very rare for them to just drop charges <laughs> like that. Right. You know? right. So I'm sure there were infirmities. But at the same time, it, he's, he's also right. They didn't really exonerate him. Right. You know? Right, right. So... And you know, it's. I think that's interesting. They decided to say that because uh, Superintendent Emanuel, one of his biggest gripes, and even some residents of Chicago were saying they spent so much, so much resources on right. Smollett's case, and then for what? Mm. My theory is that the pol- you know why the the police are mad. Like the police are like, oh no, you know we need to hold the, we need to hold our feet to the fire. You need to prosecute him. You know he made us look stupid. He made us do all this stuff for nothing. Blah blah blah. We want you, you know, to prosecute him. So they're mad. Meanwhile, the prosecution is like, ah, are we gonna like this is a dumb case? Like, if, right? Like, like he's basically doing? paid his price. Really? Mm-hmm. Like I have no problem with him walking away. I mean, he's been humiliated. You know, he he may right. have lost his job, may not. We'll see. But he, it's not like he hasn't. You know, he's he's faced some consequences. Mm-hmm. And, then, and I think he was thinking more about his career. The, yeah. With the with the just moving on with this and, right. and thinking more about his career and 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 saving his standing with Empire and and also looking at the possibility that he may have to battle the network Fox and the producers. So I'm, you never he's looking at that battle right. now. And good, and good luck with that battle because it's going to be a battle. Mm-hmm. Like I don't think he's just going to be able to walk back in there and have his job. You're right. He they can he can sue, right. but he might be forced to do that. Mm-hmm. Right mm-hmm. and. I mean, Chicago PD is is not totally clean here. Like they they're, they're being investigated. Oh. Well, they, first of all, in 2017, they, a federal report found that they routinely violated the constitutional rights of residents, especially black people of color. Mm-hmm. And there's a uh, there's an investigation into leaks in the Smollett case because mm-hmm. there's a lot of information out there that was wrong. Mm-hmm. And it's like, what's 
why what's happening. So and it, and it goes back to Harold Washington in the eighties, the great uh, black mayor. That mm-hmm. you know his battles with with the department and everything. He had a heart attack. It, just that stress, you know. And and also wow. of course going back to Al Capone days where he had them all in in his pocket. Right. <laughs> so it's it there's like a long lineage of things with the and and not not singling out Chicago Police Department, but it it happens throughout the nation. Right. <laughs> Right. Like Chicago's one, yeah. one of the most notorious. Well, yeah, yeah. notorious. Right. Exactly. <laughs> so I, I still, you know, I wish, like, I, I wish Jesse the best. I still, I wish I had, like, a camera. Like, I, I can't wait till the Lifetime movie comes out once no, you it's find coming. out. It's coming. It's coming. Don't worry. And what was your goal? Anyway. If, if <laughs> we still it, don't know what happened. Right? We don't know uh, what happened. We don't know what happened. I mean, he's still, like you said, he's still denying it. He's still saying that he was telling the truth. Um, yes, but you know, I, I guess he's, I guess he's saying now that his only thing he can say now is that it was those two brothers that did it on their own. Because I think he's acknowledging it was those two, and it's basically oh, he said, he she said, okay. in terms of like they're saying he paid them, and all he can say is no, I didn't. Mm-hmm. They, just, they just attacked me. Mm-hmm. So I'm just waiting for this to be part of an empire. <laughs> they should. Like, I think they're like we're just seeing. They'd how be smart to out. keep. I mean, if that's they right. want their ratings, they should keep them on. Right. right. You know? Yes. Exactly. And and that's the thing. They should thank Jesse Smollett. Be like, hey, you gave us an idea for like kind of like an angle for the next season. Right. So and who's not watching now? Right. Right. Because right. I never watched that show in my life. That's right. And really? I will watch that show now because you know power's <laughs> taking over power in general. Power. Yes. People go to power over empire. If you ask hundred people, hundred yes. hundred people over a zero will say power. Right. You know. Yeah. So. Empire just got to. Like dramatic, like it was too much. Like mm. there's a point where the drama is like, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Do you watch? Do you watch Empire? I used to watch it, and then I think second season. A lot I of just people kinda, used to. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> a lot of like, people okay, used to. Watch. You're you're a, you're one of the masses for Which, sure. But I do love that. I what I did love about it is that you'd see black actors that oh, you've yeah. never seen before, mm-hmm. or yes. people would return. I was like, what? Yeah. So we'll see. We'll see. Uh, uh, what's next for Jesse Smollett? In this, uh, in the soap opera, yes. As the as the empire turns, <laughs> as the empire turns, or exactly. days of it's em- going to turn, wait, or empire of their lives. <laughs> I'm trying to come up <laughs> with some names. <laughs> hey, next week, I w- if you're watching, I want to know what you think about it. So if you're going to find yeah, watch. yeah, maybe I'll, you got to remind me. <laughs> we could do a, we could do a power versus empire. Like, you know what? I gotta say, I, I don't watch. Power that much. I, I watched the first two seasons and then that was it. And then Empire watched first season, then yeah, that was it. Yeah, it's just tough to keep it keep yes. track of episodic yeah. programming. And if you don't have cable, <laughs> yeah, okay. I, I watched Power the first two seasons and then I fell out of it. I never watched Empire though, so maybe I'll I'll check it out. Yeah, see, maybe, maybe, maybe not. Yeah, if you just watch one and see if you'd want to watch more. And Probably not. And that's the problem. I pay for this cable and don't really watch it, <laughs> except for sports. Right. Basically, sports and and some uh, and news as well. You know, mm-hmm. CNN and and everything. Just see what's going on. It's important. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Aaron. Yeah, no problem. Great more bad news. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Never a dull moment. Never a dull moment. All right, guys. Uh, that's it for us. We're out of here. Uh, thank you for listening to another episode of Bros Pod. Uh, again, as always, like it and comment and uh, rate it on iTunes. Um, check us out on social media at Bros Pod on Twitter, at Bros Pod on Instagram, Bill Roden on Sports on Facebook. And we will be back next week with a brand new episode. Peace. Bye.
for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.